Gotham Season 5, Episode 5, Peña Jura. I'm David Mizzouz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lord-Taylor, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. Welcome back, fellow detectives. This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 135, about Gotham, Legend of the Dark Knight, which is into season 5, episode 5, Penajura. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back, fellow Gothamites. This was a blast of an episode. Obviously, we're going to spoil everything, as we always do on these podcasts, so make sure you've watched this one. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is a really very nutty, crazy, and exciting episode of Gotham. Really mm-hmm. good. Cannot wait to get into the spoiler-filled review. Uh, with that, Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the episode's directed by Mark Tondera. Great to have him back. Mark's a British director who's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, uh-huh. Right back to season three. Uh, did season three, episode 18, Like the Wick. And then season four, he did two episodes. He did uh, They Who Hide Behind Masks, which was episode three of season four, and then episode six of season four, which was Hog Day Afternoon with the wonderful Professor Pig. Speaking of Professor Pig, our writer, this episode is Zatora Sousa, who worked with Professor Pig uh, last season as well, uh, did Let the Meat Pie, uh, which was episode nine, again featuring Professor Pig, as the early season did a lot. Uh, and episode 19, she did uh, with To Our Deaths and Beyond as we headed towards the closeout of season four. Yes, a darker version of Toy Story uh, there. Yes, <laughs> much like everything in Gotham, a much darker version of the world, really, as we see. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this episode? Sure. A friend of Jim Gordon from his past arrives as part of a military task force. Led by Eduardo Durance, his goal is to provide relief to Gotham and the GCPD, with the aim to take down the criminal elements of the city. Elsewhere, Bruce Wayne is concerned about Selina Kyle's recent behaviour and tries to seek meaning and direction from both Alfred and Harvey Bullock. Meanwhile, Ed Nigma looks for answers about his involvement in the RPG attack on Haven and is given a shocking revelation. <laughs> This leads him to his old friend Oswald Cobblepot at City Hall, and then on to the Sirens Club and Barbara, and finally back to Hugo Strange's laboratory. As the shocking and manipulating truth is revealed slowly and painfully through face fresheners, brain surgery, and then a staple gum, <laughs> he is sent on a final mission by Eduardo to search and destroy Jim Gordon. Back at Wayne Manor, a ghoulish family reunion is on the offering, as guess who's back to cause some more mischief? (laughs) Unsurprising, really, that one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I got it really, really well with my deadpan. Uh, Yes, he's not dead. Yeah, absolutely. I loved loved how they ended the episode last week with uh, Jeremiah lying on the floor, um, a a cloud of gas emanating around him from uh, the smoke bomb that Bruce had dropped. Just to make sure that you knew they didn't have time to check his pulse to see if he was alive. Still not sure how he got out of it. I think mm. he was stabbed three times. And Jeremiah says here he needed to allow Selena to stab him at least once. But three times seemed like, you know, an excessive amount to be able to get out of. But he is hurting. He does say that. Yes, I think my joke has passed there when you said um, a cloud of gas. I was going to say, like me, after a Tex-Mex, uh, <laughs> to be honest. But then you started talking about stabbing, which uh, is not like a Tex-Mex. That's not, yeah, it's not like a Tex-Mex. <laughs> very uh, bad, really. A very bad Tex-Mex if it's stabbing in your body (laughs) yeah exactly but on to our case notes with Mm -hmm. case note number one welcome eduardo durance how are you and where have you been from jim gordon's life oh no Uh, yes he's is is he back with barbara or is he now going on a relationship with uh edward durance (laughs) uh, who came in uh, in the nick of time to save Jim's bacon. There's Dan Harvey's as yeah, well. Absolutely. There's definitely a bromance here with Eduardo Durant. At the beginning of the episode, maybe not by the end, but at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, a great moment, a proper... Um, a proper action movie moment as they break through that beautiful yeah. stained glass window. It must have taken the production designers <laughs> months to put that together and it, smashed it in an instant. Exactly. <laughs> With sweltering eyes and a, a, a cocked eyebrow, 
yes, he is charming everyone, including the RPG seller who doesn't last long in Edward Durant's presence. Uh, so this guy must have been one of the richest guys in Gotham, the RPG seller, because it's kind of the go-to weapon for so many of the villains in this show. So many people seem to have an RPG in their in their basement, you know, just to take out at an opportune moment to blow stuff up, you know. Uh, so this guy seemed quite wealthy. You could see how palatial the place that he's picked out for himself is. Now, again, so many palaces in Gotham were left behind by the rich folks that ran away when, uh, when No Man's Land began. But, you know, you do wonder if this guy is just a very rich person because of all the RPGs he's selling but not anymore as you say bullet to the brain yeah um jim saved by his former army buddy uh, eduardo durancia yeah i mean um, you sometimes forget that jim used to be in, in the military you know uh, we have obviously um the chief who became the um judge jury and executioner yes. um you know <laughs> not the it, judge duty and executioner. not the judge duty but certainly um the executioner mm-hmm. you know again loving that uh, army style being brought to the gcpd but you know mm-hmm. here we get a real nice re- uh, reminder that jim is from the army mold um and sometimes with his sort of shoulders back and his straight back we certainly uh, can see that but it, this, this is a really nice bit of interaction i, I like the fact that they work together uh, when they track down uh, Ed Nigma mm-hmm. uh, at, at his his kind of base, uh, but ultimately then Eduardo and Jim have to work together to prevent Eduardo from being blown up by um, an improvised explosive device. Uh, you know, and I love the the bookshelves here uh, with the the books that arm and then disarm the, the floor <laughs> that has pressured IEDs all over the place. Fantastic, um, yeah. fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I really like the idea that it is the chess moves uh, and you work out how to turn it off by doing the the chess move of a knight. But I do really like the fact as well that Jim gets this wrong and he initially ends up at butterfly collecting with conviction uh, before he moves on to the other uh, book to, to save his pal and buddy. Uh, Eduardo Durance. But this is all a bit too buddy-buddy, really. Um, and you do wonder uh, why Eduardo has been, you know, airlifted or dropped into Gotham mm-hmm. uh, to help Jim uh, to take back Gotham. But it is only after they have taken down the criminal elements in Gotham that they will come into or even think about doing a, a full-on rescue of whoever has survived. Yeah, anybody that survived out, outside of Haven, basically. There's only a few people left, really. It's just the GCPD members that are alive after that bomb. Uh, what I do love about the relationship here with Jim and Eduardo is that Jim has to kind of explain to Eduardo how things work in Gotham. Yeah. There's a great kind of bit of banter between the two of them where Jim's kind of saying to them, there are rules to the way Gotham works. People here don't just rob banks. That would be really silly. No, no, they have to plant bombs and give you a riddle to solve so that you can get out of it. You know, it's, it's kind of going, maybe you might need to take a moment to learn these rules before you get beaten, you know? Uh, very, very interesting. But they do get out of it. I love Eduardo's response when he's hearing about uh, Riddler um, and, and the rules that he has to go by, the game that he has to play. And Eduardo goes, I am going to wring that nerd's neck. <laughs> really good fun. But they do get out, I get away from it, and announce to the city that Ed is the bomber of Haven. So everybody in the city of Gotham after and everybody can hear this and in case people can't hear it we do have a member of gotham standing outside in the streets with a megaphone shouting enigma is the haven bomber and everybody wants to kill it <laughs> yes literally everyone and anyone is after enigma and i think with that on to case note number two well it leads perfectly into it doesn't it Ed Nigma is not a murderer, well, except for Miss Kringle and Officer Doherty and, I guess, Haven now. <laughs> That's a great moment as Ed's talking to himself in the mirror. A brilliantly shot moment where we have uh, Corey Michael Smith again speaking to himself in the mirror as he smashes the mirror with his fist and we see the cracked image Yeah, in really there. nice shot, that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, just having that fractured uh, metaphor for a personality mm-hmm. the, with the broken mirror. Uh, really nicely done, I think. Um, but certainly after escaping from Eduardo and Jim, he is uh, on the run, uh, trying to keep his head down. Um, and I just love the fact that it is the classic 
plank of wood from an <laughs> unknown assailant, uh, despite millions of people having just ran past Ed Nigma. You know, he's down in the shadows, but the classic plank of wood comes out of whirling no- out of nowhere yep. to smash him behind. And we do have the redneck family, which must just be at the opposite end of the spectrum for Ed Nigma. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the redneck family with a hugely uh, unnecessary yet ridiculously funny contraption to electrocute him slowly and painfully and all because of poor little Jojo that got uh, turned into a black hairy fireball in Haven. <laughs> oh my gosh. This but he was... did use the smile. Yes. Well, apparently, according to the anthropomorphizing nincompoop that says that, he did used to smile. I love that reaction from uh, from Corey Michael Smith. Really, really great. I have to say, I'm, I'm assuming he must have done about five or six takes to get that right. But a great moment between between all of them there. Um, this crazy family who are trying to kill him, even though there's 300 people died in Haven, and they're trying to punish him for killing an animal that was in there at the same time as well. You know, he, he says that to them, and they go, what? We don't care about people. <laughs> like, true Gotham weirdos. I love them. Really, really cool characters. And once again, we have another really interesting one for Ed. As he gets electrocuted he gets new images new memories coming back into his mind this time he's getting penguin telling him he'll fix him keeps popping into his mind over and over again giving him a little lead on which to base his investigation again you know we had last week we had him being beaten over the head by the lady in the <laughs> yeah, wheelchair absolutely uh, him coming getting <laughs> memories back of blowing up haven this time it's memories of penguin standing over his dead corpse basically saying i'm gonna fix you or his dying corpse uh, saying i'm gonna fix him so uh, so quite interesting to see this yeah it was really it was really good um i did like how that followed through from last week's episode as you said and i think um yeah, it's even just that Ed, you know, in this moment manages to plan his escape from the electric chair mm-hmm. uh, that is run by the the brothers Grimm and their redneck mother yeah. uh, by saying there's a blocked fuel line and then they go up in fire. There's a really great uh, sort of fire dance that one of the brothers does, <laughs> which is just really funny. Yep. Um, as Ed, still strapped to the chair, manages to uh, escape and run off as they're trying to put out both the car and one of the rednecks um, because he's just been set on fire. So really <laughs> nice. But he does make his way then to City Hall to confront Oswald. Yeah, and I was wondering, was that Ed's plan that he wanted to escape? Because it sounded like he wanted them to, to actually electrocute him more so that he could get more information and maybe more memories. But he just took the opportunity when he, when they set each other on fire to get away, you know. Uh, it did seem like a really weird moment, but I do love as he's crouching, walking away with the chair still attached to him. It's hilarious. But yes, he finally gets to confront Oswald and find out that he's named his dog after him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, really, really nice. And I mean, again, there is just that crazy... Uh, Oswald Cobblepot logic oh, I love um, that, that comes from, from all of this uh, where he's like um, did you try and get me killed and he's like no you're my best friend yeah but you killed your best friend Butch that's the reason why um, I needed to keep you alive was because I had killed my best friend Butch yeah so just that really excellent kind of twisted logic there from oswald uh, to justify what he's done <laughs> it's perfectly logical though he's saying that he killed his best friend so now ed's his best friend and he needs him even more <laughs> it's a fantastic little moment and again tells him that that's why he named his dog after him because it's his best friend and it reminds him of uh, ed i guess when ed was a little bit more compliant uh, in the past but there is another beautiful speech coming from oswald to him where he says um if we're ever on the opposite side again we're friends now. If we're ever against each other, you will know that it's me coming for you. I'm not going to hide behind puzzles. I'm not going to hide behind uh, other things going on. You will absolutely know, as a friend, that we are enemies, because I would never do that to you. It's kind of an interesting uh, speech that Oswald has for Ed. But interestingly, almost immediately afterwards, <laughs> we have the building rocked by uh, the arrival of Harvey and uh, Eduardo Durance, and Oswald immediately goes, grab Ed because that's what they're here for it's hilarious it's like it's just that great moment but of course Ed's escaped by that stage so interesting not really too sure whether Oswald's being on the level with Ed or not in this scene yeah no I definitely think he is on the level Mm -hmm. but then there's the opportunity to take him down I mean this is all a territory fight basically and uh, he really wants to make sure that he's always top dog and both Oswald 
and Ed know the power of the other person. And Penguin is absolutely clear as day that Ed can completely mess him up because he's done that already. So mm-hmm. here's his opportunity. He'll take uh, and look to sacrifice uh, Ed Nigma almost yep. immediately. Uh, but yeah, with Harvey Bullock arriving with Delta Force, you know, they quickly uh, effectively arrest Penguin um, and Ed Nigma is... Well, manages to find his way uh, out of City Hall just in time. And mm-hmm. Penguin's brought back to the GCPD uh, to uh, be interrogated by Jim. And again, once and once again, a great scene between Jim and Oswald here. A real um, great reminder as to why these two characters work so well uh, together. Um, really nice interrogation scene here mm-hmm. with... Penguin probably coming off worse, but always able to squirm his way out and to convince Jim and maybe to take a morally questionable route. Um, certainly one that uh, has the uh, dark brooding eyebrow of Eduardo Durant <laughs> being lifted uh, at what Jim has just done, which Once was effectively again. to allow Penguin to escape from the GCPD again and set yeah. him free. Yeah, yeah. And when Oswald returns to his safe house back in City Hall, we find out that he is about to go for a change of scenery. I like this because it looks like he's gathered together everything of any value in the city, possibly taking down Gotham Museum and taking everything from it and every bit of the gold reserves, put it into his basement and himself and Ed, his dog, are now going to go off and have a change of scenery. Does that mean they're getting out of Gotham? Does that mean he's going to look for a bigger house? Is he moving into the GCPD now <laughs> because he's just been down there? Um, I don't know what it means, but it does mean there's going to be some big change coming in the future for Oswald. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting because earlier in this episode, we have Penguin with his bodyguards uh, being given two black or three black boxes, mm-hmm. uh, large black boxes, which they're looking into, but we as the audience don't get to see inside, yeah. uh, from a bunch of masked men, almost like ninjas. And he's like, yes, very good, you know, uh, take them off to be stored away. And then we go down into this secret vault. Uh, I love yeah. the um, the secret passageway and the secret entrance here mm-hmm. to this vault, uh, seemingly with a stack of gold bars with statues and and different bits of artwork. So, yeah, this will be um, interesting to see what this change of scenery for Oswald Coppelbot will be. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Uh, One thing just wanted to point out here, because um, we have this moment with Ed, this Oswald moment as well. Um, I just thought it was interesting that both Ed and Oswald, while speaking to Jim... They both get freed in their own ways. Ed leaves the library where Jim and and Eduardo were. um, And obviously Oswald gets out of the GCPD. And both of them have the same response to Jim when he basically says, I'm going to take you in because the people of the city are going to be chasing you. And both of them have the response to Jim that they'll take it on their own. As in, we don't trust you to keep us safe, Jim. Which I think is just quite interesting having two different villains saying pretty much the same line to Jim Gordon. Effectively undermining his whole concept of being in the city the villains don't expect the gcpd to ever be taking care of them i think is the point yeah definitely they they don't trust the institution that he works for yeah and to be honest maybe they know more about what's going on in other areas of gotham Mm -hmm. than even jim and harvey do you know i i feel that they're trying to wall themselves in whereas the others are trying to expand their territories and, and to really you know be that that mob boss type person who expands into uh, the adjacent territory. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the kind of difference. You know, Jim's trying to create a safe haven, uh, a castle on a hill. The others are trying to just expand their territory. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's get on to case note number three, because we do have another big moment in this episode for another major character. Case note number three is Selena. The murderer, I guess. Now, luckily, we do find out in this episode that Jeremiah is alive, so she hasn't actually murdered anybody, despite the punishment she's putting on herself and despite the concern that Bruce has for her because he feels that Jeremiah turned her into a murderer the same way that Raish did to Bruce. And that was the big change that happened to Bruce when he killed Alfred under the request of Rachel Ghoul and under the control of Rachel Ghoul as well, um, that he did this murder that changed his opinion and his attitude forever, effectively. Um, and he felt that something really bad is happening to Selena. I think the scene that we see in this 
episode between Selena and and Bruce is fantastic. Yeah. When he tracks her down to the sirens where everybody's throwing her a big party for killing Jeremiah, um, she's getting twisted on about 15 shots you know in this in yeah this she's she's getting all the attention i mean it, it really is that moment as well and I, I i do wonder whether alfred's little kind of conversation in the gcpd earlier where he says you know you can't change someone like that you think you can mm-hmm. you think that she's willing to but this may be who selena kyle is yeah and as bruce goes into the sirens here you know um He's tracked Selena here and he confronts her. There is a really tough moment here. Absolutely, yeah. He, he stands up to her and says, this isn't you, Selena, when she's throwing back her 15th shot since, he, since he'd arrived in the, in the bar. And she says to him, what do you mean it's not me? You don't even know me. She's effectively recounting what happened in the pilot, that first moment when she entered the life of Bruce Wayne, where she was standing in the alleyway, watching his family get killed. And that's how she describes the experience for her, that she just watched on. She didn't cry out. She didn't try to save his parents. She didn't try and catch the guy who murdered them as he was running down the the alleyway past her. She just sat there and watched because she doesn't care. And that's her. That's her own description of herself. Bruce is absolutely right. This killing of Jeremiah, and in fact, actually, the stabbing from Jeremiah to Selena has eternally changed this character or has changed the character at the moment anyway as we start out this season she's absolutely a different character than she was in any previous season because she let her guard down and she feels because she became friends of bruce this has all happened to her and she is never one to be a victim she'll always strike out against someone that's that's hurt her as we've seen many times before in this case she struck out against jeremiah and she believes killed him because of what he did to her. And that makes her fundamentally different from Bruce, really, as David Mazous told us. Yeah, completely. She has, you know, been affected. She has had a huge moment in her life, both being almost killed by Jeremiah and, and the revenge path that that took her down. And now, you know, you see it in the siren. She is being praised for what she's done. This hasn't happened to Selena. Yeah. Uh, she is the street urchin who h- hides out in half-empty uh, warehouses mm-hmm. or abandoned buildings and, and homes, you know, other than her relationship with Bruce. And here is Bruce at the moment where she seems to be getting all this attention. She's being thanked for what she's done which is to kill this psychopath in jeremiah mm-hmm. and bruce is reigning on that parade and because of that she questions well do you really know who i am are you sure that i'm not enjoying this yes i may have changed but maybe i needed to you yeah. know it is that that moment so you know bruce ultimately is pretty um despondent here you know and he, he comes back to the gcpd to try and get some guidance from jim but Jim's not there, and it's only Harvey at, at his desk. And yeah. I must say, it's a really nice moment after having seen what has gone on in the sirens and, and that speech that Selena says to Bruce. That you know, he goes, he sees people he loves losing the will to do good. Such you know, a great line. Yeah, yeah, really nicely done, and just makes um, you know the weight of Gotham on his shoulders. You mm-hmm. can really feel that now, and the weight of other people not doing things or losing people that he loves and knows are good at heart um and and you just get in his own little way harvey reassuring him that you know i'm here opening up cold cases going back through the files to see if there's anything i can do to help uh some of these people or the people who have been left behind by the disappearance of other people and you know just that it's the little things that help yeah um to to help move things through and and to get to a better place and it's a really nice moment between harvey and bruce here it feels like Um, we've not seen a moment between david mazus and donald logue for a long long time but the two of them alone is what i mean Uh, you generally have jim there or you generally have alfred there Uh, but this moment between just harvey and and bruce shows you that they've also got a, a long storied history together over the last five seasons and it's really nice to see the two of them working together and it's also nice to give harvey something other to do than to be the joker all the time yeah i, I think it's not really... that he's the joker we know who the joker is <laughs> absolutely and i i think we we got that a bit in this story um this week as well just 
you know, Harvey pulls Jim out for just sending him back to the GCPD, mm-hmm. and Jim has to explain to him, it's because you're the one that I trust. You're a good cop. Keep an eye on them. Jim then lets him go out into the field with Eduardo to bring in the penguin. He does that, and now we have this really nice moment uh, between him and and Bruce, where Harvey, you know, he is a, a street cop, a street detective. Mm-hmm. He's got that experience, and just a little bit of that leaks over to to Bruce. And I really think it's nice that in this episode, um, you have both Harvey and Alfred imparting in different ways a bit of their experience uh, and their advice to the young Bruce Wayne, who yeah. is seemingly weighed down by everything that has happened in the recent past with Selena Kyle. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And we do have that moment as well with Bruce as he disappears from the screen when Harvey asks him to buy him a coffee, basically. <laughs> I do love that moment. And especially because the response from Harvey is like, wow, that kid moves fast. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there was a sound of fluttering bat wings. Really? Because one of our pieces of feedback actually said that. Uh, Claire Payne was asking, did we hear bat wings mm. flapping? I didn't actually hear them myself. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting because it definitely was heard by other people as well, well. You've got to be tuned into them like the sonic clicks of a bat. Very good. Let's get on to our case note number four because we have the return of one of our favourite, favourite characters, B.D. Wong as Professor Strange. Or Gotham. Oh, it's so good to have him back. Yes, our case note for a very strange experience. You know, after doing our Doctor Strange podcast for about a year now, um, I'm, I'm running out of strange puns <laughs> to do this. <laughs> but I, I'm still always shocked when B.D. Wong appears in Gotham and the amount of people who live tweet along with ourselves and with all of the other accounts and continue to call him Doctor Strange. It's a completely different character, but they seem to get these two confused quite often. Professor Strange is a villainous character. And I think what's what's interesting in this particular episode, I'd kind of forgotten that he was a villain as as most of the other characters in the show are until the scenes that we see here with Ed. He really feels villainous here. He feels like yeah. he stands toe-to-toe with Oswald Cobblepot and with Ed Nigma and with all of the other villains that we have in the show. He does actually feel villainous this time, not just a scientist gone slightly overboard he feels like he actually genuinely wants to hurt people and yeah. that's his intention but he he's the bad scientist without the ethics committee behind mm-hmm. him saying no actually professor strange you shouldn't do that yeah. and increasingly yeah i mean he is getting more rotten and more rotten and more rotten exactly. and now he's you know he, he's got to the point where he doesn't even have an organization like Wayne Enterprises keeping him in check. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's just doing it. I mean, I love the fact that he has kind of a laundry shoot here, but for dead human bodies. <laughs> I think originally I was going to call it the, the human waste shoot, but mm-hmm. that's a different thing entirely. Yes. Um, so I was going to say the waste human shoot. Uh, so something okay. like that. Um, okay. I thought that was just really nice because I, was, I thought it was kind of like a morgue. Mm-hmm. I thought he was putting him into one of the freezer compartments and then his legs just went up at 45 degrees <laughs> and he went on his final roller coaster ride down to some presumably grisly basement oh, yes. um, in uh, this really dark laboratory of, of Hugo Strange. We I, may see that area next next episode, but we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Quickly, just want to mention that, um, that Ed finds out where Professor Strange is from his visit to Barbara Keane. What I do love about this episode, a great credit to Toro Sozo, the writer for the episode. What I love about this episode is we're coming to the end of the show, sadly, as we all know, but this moment of having Ed Nigma in episode five go on this kind of road trip to visit all of the people across the city is a great way to keep all of those characters involved in the show. I think it's really nice to have these moments between all of these characters again. You know, as he talks to Barbara and Barbara's kind of, Barbara wants to kill him because, well, she always wants to kill him <laughs> yeah. all the time, no matter, no matter how many times they team up. But I love the way he gets out of it. Ed goes, well, I know I blew up Haven, but do you think of me as an idiot? Do you think that's the kind of thing I would do to blow up a whole area and then have it announced to the world that i'm the one that did that and barbara kind of goes well you've never actually struck me as an idiot have you no okay actually that means you're not the killer grand you can stay alive and then she tells him the piece of information that he needs to provide her with the biggest piece of information that she's looking for so we'll find out what that's going to be in a future episode but we took us about three or four times of watching this section of the episode to find out what barbara actually says to him didn't work it out on on a number (laughs) of watchings what she says is she can tell Ed where 
Professor Strange's Igors are. In other words, the people that have been stealing the bodies for him to do his work, which is quite interesting that she calls them Igors. And it took us ages. We were wondering what's an e-ghost. Um, I, I thought she said e-horses. I was like, <laughs> um, what is that? I was like Googling it in the urban dictionary to th- <laughs> see whether it's something that has completely passed me by. But yeah, I mean, this is both... Um, this whole strange experience here with Hugo Strange and Ed Nigma is both really funny, really creepy, really disturbing. And it's so good. B.D. Wong is amazing here. Mm-hmm. Um, he is able to turn really funny moments into creepiness. And um, I like the fact that, you know, you get the sense that he's with Ed. He's just going to write down who it is that has been controlling him. And then the next thing, he's gassing him um which I thought was a face freshener to begin with, but you know, it, it, it quells the nervous system, mm-hmm. numbs him and, and keeps him rooted to the spot. But you hear Hugo go, interesting how you knew what was happening. You just didn't know how it was being done. And yeah, we exactly. find out that, uh, Hugo Strange had put a chip into, uh, Enigma's brain so that it could be controlled. Uh, but he is not the one to control Enigma. Mm-hmm. It was given to other people, uh, strange other people that we don't know of in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we then see this Frankenstein-esque sort of uh, taking off of uh, the top of Ed's head with his brain. So creepy. Um, yeah. And then it being stapled back together as he has effectively turned the, the chip off and on again. You know, yeah. you... <laughs> Ed Nigma is kind of being treated here by Hugo Strange as like a giant iPad or something like this. <laughs> turn it off and, and on turn again. Turn it off and on again and it will sort itself out. And, but it is just really nice. I love the different gases that he's putting into Ed, Ed's face. Um, you know, when they get found out by Jim and Eduardo, mm-hmm. he does a revive, uh, face freshener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at which point we have I, I think one of the funniest moments definitely. of this episode definitely yeah it's really interesting because you hear the kind of commentary from <laughs> from strange where he's over the top of ed working on his brain you know with ed's eyes are there there he's alive he's awake and strange is effectively saying to him that the spray that he put in his face it doesn't stop the pain that ed feels but it puts makes him motionless so he can't scream out effectively <laughs> and then when he wakes him up it's instantly a great cory michael smith scream because of all the pain he's gone through for the last you know half an hour when he's when he's been out the, on the table basically but yeah, it's I strange mean, ed Hilarious. gets his nerve receptors back and i'm just laughing my head off as he's just screaming <laughs> but we see here then in this moment um jim and eduardo arrive mm-hmm. and we begin to realize that um you know after the revelation to ed from hugo strange that eduardo is linked to this controlling um chip that is in his brain Mm -hmm. but it's not just eduardo it's also walker who jim has been on the radio to who jim believes is the one that is trying to help until this moment um and to prove his loyalty to walker Eduardo asks Jim to put a bullet in Enigma's head um, and Jim will not do it. He is adamant that he will not do it and ultimately flings him down this waste human chute. Um, and then you get that great moment where Enigma is zapped by Eduardo with uh-huh. this control. It looks like a phone with a white screen. Yeah. You get the... The eyes roll over, which is really nice, and you That's see, fab, yeah. yeah, it was really nicely done. And then he's given his orders, and um, this is the reason why Ed Nigma has been waking up in dustbins on the top of roofs, mm-hmm. dirt under his fingernails, and he's given his orders to seek and destroy Jim Gordon. Yes. And then he chucks himself down this this roller coaster chute as well. Uh, really. <laughs> Uh, really good yeah. great scene this uh, one of my favorites and quite a big reveal there so walker the person that's been on the phone to jim gordon is the one that has sent in eduardo to capture all of the bad people in the city i'm wondering what the purpose of it is what what exactly is the aim and the goal for walker here is she trying to clean out the city so that they can take over gotham is there something else there that they want to get their hands on and um, it's really interesting but effectively she also wants jim to be a complicit murderer that's really important to her it seems even though jim knows that ed's the one that killed all the people in haven he knows he didn't do it by choice he knows that 
that he was in the control now of Walker and of Eduardo. So he's not going to kill Ed for that. Um, but it's really interesting how important it was to her to make Jim Gordon a murderer. So uh, let's see how that one pans out in the future. Any further theories of, as to who Walker is? I think I mentioned before my theory that possibly Walker was echo on the outside world, that actually this is coming from inside Gotham. But now with the um, connection to Eduardo being sent in from outside, I guess it can't be Echo. Yeah, I think so. And the more we've seen of Echo, she's completely unhinged. And um, Walker does sound at least with it. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I feel like Walker is like an Amanda Waller type of person. Interesting. Um, A bit like we've seen in the CW series Green Arrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. And, of course, in Suicide Squad as well. She's the one that set up Suicide Squad. Exactly. So someone who operates, you know, in Metropolis, Gotham, Mm -hmm. Speed City... Metro City, Star City, uh, Aqua (laughs) City, you name it. You were so good there until you got to Speed City, right? I (laughs) couldn't remember what it was. Um, Only five seasons of uh, of Flash that we've watched to to make you remember Star City, John. (laughs) Yes, Star City. Um, You know, Bloodhaven, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like someone who operates around here and, you know, probably has got Boomerang in her back pocket to come in and start chucking boomerangs around or something like that uh, nope that's captain boomerang you're thinking of there yeah, captain uh, boomerang <laughs> no interesting that's, that's uh, i did see somebody mention that it was amanda waller but that they actually said it was because they misheard the name walker <laughs> and that's why they thought it was amanda waller but very interesting it's only one letter different so uh, let's see what happens in a future episode i definitely think this is someone that we might know um and i wonder who it could be that sounds as though you know. No, I do not know. We have not seen anything in the future. There's just one female character that we have not seen at all this season who was quite a big part of Jim Gordon's life in the past. Whether she'd make him a killer or not, we don't know. But uh, we do still have Leslie Tompkins. Leslie Tompkins yeah, that's yeah. true. And we've still got the executioner to come in as well. Maybe. Um, maybe he's putting on a voice. <laughs> Possibly. You never know what Gotham wants. Well, hi there. All right, let's get on to case note number five. I think we've run out of series uh, on that one, obviously. Uh, case note number five, we had to mention it because it's quite a huge moment, obviously. We even said it last week. There was no doubt <laughs> at all that Jeremiah was going to be gone for long. We thought we might get a couple of episodes without Jeremiah there to keep the mystery as to whether he was alive or not. But absolutely not. He's back this episode, stabbed, stitched back up, kind of hurting from the stitches, but that's about it, really. Um, but interestingly, he reveals something that we weren't aware of from the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the season, we saw the soothsayers forcing kids to dig a tunnel that they were being told was to get out of the city of Gotham. We did hear one of them complain that the actual plans that were there were a bit crazy because they seemed yeah. to be too high and the water would break in if they continued to go the way they were going. Well, it seems like it's actually reached its destination and the destination was nowhere near going outside of Gotham. It was a tunnel underneath the city to Wayne Manor. How cool is that? Yeah, it's really interesting. Although there is part of me... Um, about how does that work regarding the Batcave. Because he does come out of the fireplace, yes. and I'm like going, okay, well, there's future Bruce Wayne's secret passageway completely ruined because the Joker knows about it. Or but, created, is my point. He's now got a tunnel going from the centre of the city to underneath Wayne Manor. Is this going to be the tunnel that he uses in the future to take the Batmobile from Wayne Manor to the city? That could be it exactly, but it does kind of come to the point that ultimately Jeremiah is not the Joker. uh, Mm -hmm. Because otherwise the Joker knows about these series of tunnels. And then the other juicy thing that it kind of maybe brings into focus is this idea that, you know the two of them do have to exist together. So even though the Joker knows about all of these, he's never going to blow them up or use them or use his forces against Bruce Wayne or Batman because Mm -hmm. they're just one happy family. And of course uh, we see him here, Jeremiah trying to force uh, a happy, happy family Mm. uh, back onto Bruce Wayne. We think we don't see their faces, but there is a certain suggestion that like an artist uh, an ice artist with an ice sculpture we've got the plastic surgeon here chopping away stapling away sewing here adding bits of collagen there you name it um to create replicas of thomas and martha wayne well luckily we didn't get to see any of that we just saw him take off the bandages uh, to the two heads that were facing the opposite direction but yes this is really really interesting if you told me <laughs> 
five seasons ago after that murder in the alleyway that we actually might get to see Martha and Thomas Wayne return to the show in the future. I would say you're crazy. I think after five seasons of watching the show, well, nothing really surprises me completely. Nothing completely shocks me. But this was still a moment. It's one of those ones which is kind of a rule in comic book history and comic book lore. Everybody can come back from the dead. Well, except for Thomas and Martha Wayne and and (laughs) Uncle Ben from Spider-Man Comics. They're kind of the only people that ever stay dead in comics. That's true, actually. They form the fundamental center of Bruce Wayne. Now, we did hear a comment from Echo a couple of episodes ago when she was talking to Selina and in the fight with Selina, saying that she knows everything about Bruce. Wayne and about her. She knows everything about their history. Herself and Jeremiah have been doing their research, which is why they've obviously created these copies of Martha and Thomas Wayne, because they know everything about them. So they've got some inside information. They've hidden the fact that Jeremiah is not dead. So Bruce and Selina both think that he's dead. So what is the plan when Thomas and Martha Wayne are waiting in Wayne Manor for the return of Bruce uh, to the house. What's the plan going to be? Well, he loves a family reunion and it's here to mess with his mind. Mm-hmm. Surely Bruce is compassmentous enough to realize that these two people are obviously not going to be his mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is to mess with his mind. We know here as well that Jeremiah's death is part of this plan as well because both Selena and Bruce need to think that he is dead so that he can exploit the situation. So that might trouble um, Bruce more because he thinks Jeremiah is dead. So who is doing this? Why is it being done? Is Bruce going to be drugged? So it feels like a dream sequence mm. of some description like we got with Rachel Ghoul and, yep. and the monastery. Because they, they, they were some really good moments in the last season. Absolutely. So I like the one with Poison Ivy where, yeah. she, where she poisoned him and he saw the future of all of the characters of Gotham uh, with their comic accurate uh, costumes, which was quite cool. Uh, yeah, this could be something quite drug-fueled uh, next episode uh, as we see maybe the return of Martha and Thomas Wayne. I don't have any other theories about who these two characters would be, so um, I'm, I'm guessing. And I did feel like the clothes they were wearing even were the clothes they were wearing in the alleyway that night. So a uh, very interesting way of messing with Bruce Wayne's mind. Um, we did we did get the reference to it again from Selina saying, that night in there, you were the scared child. And yeah. that's what Bruce has been running away from for all of these years since, is running away from that moment when he felt so scared and so out of control. So putting him back into that moment is very interesting. Although I think this is just how crazy Gotham has gone, how outlandish it is that Derek had to pull me back from the idea that Jeremiah had reanimated the corpses of Martha (laughs) and Thomas Wayne to simply suggesting that it was two people that had been um, sort of brainwashed maybe by Jeremiah and Echo who had just had plastic surgery done to them. So I kind of thought that these were zombie Martha and Thomas Wayne to some (laughs) extent, reanimated, um, you know, a few things slightly loose on them, on their appendage. uh, But ultimately, um, you know, we're going to be wobbling towards Bruce going, Bruce, we're back. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, luckily, it hasn't gone that crazy. So, uh, so no, definitely knows? just surgery. Let's see what happens in the future episode. This is so exciting, though. Really, really interesting moments here with Jeremiah and seeing him back. Um, I think the only thing with that, just to say, is I do think he's come back too easily. I think having that break of a week uh, where the episode ended or the last moment we saw with Jeremiah last week was him lying on the ground after being stabbed multiple times by Selena. You know, it felt like really too easy piece of explanation to go well the stitches are are itchy as he says to echo yeah felt like just a way too easy way because I've, I've seen so many posts in facebook groups so many posts on twitter so many so much commentary on reddit so many podcasts talking about is he dead is he not to explain it away with just one line of dialogue going well the stitches are itchy yeah definitely i think if it was 22 23 episodes for for this season like mm-hmm. it had been for the previous ones i think we would have had those maybe one or two episode breaks here but yeah. this is kind of this is a roller coaster shuttling along absolutely uh, very quickly and yeah so i suppose that's the only reason absolutely speaking of the change from 22 episodes to our final 12 episodes uh, this season that we're going to get Another interesting one pointed out by a member of our Facebook group, Patrick Lemke, going to give him full credit on this because I didn't see it first time myself, but pointed out 
about 14 minutes into the episode, we hear the conversation, obviously, with Eduardo saying that he's going to take down all of the bad guys in Gotham. That's what they're there for, is to take down everybody. So they're going to go after people like Mr. Freeze and people like Firefly and people like Zaz that are out in the city. They're going to take them all down. But really interestingly, if you pause on about 40 minutes in, it's just after Egg gets hit, so hit over the head by the plank. Um, so there's a good little indicator for you. You'll see a character being hauled into prison or into the GCPD by Eduardo Durance's men. And he's wearing a black mask on his face. A black mask is a very yeah. big villain in the comic books. He's one of the last kind of mob bosses, I suppose. Uh, one of the biggest mob bosses after all of the Falcones and Moronis and all those characters are by the wayside. He's a mob boss that we that we see in the comic books. Now, interestingly, they did reference the character of Black Mask back in season one. We had Richard Sionis, uh being a guy that wore masks and had masks all around the walls of his house. In the comic books, Roman Cyanus is the character Black Mask. He's the son of Richard Cyanus. So there is a possibility that we could have had Roman Cyanus in season five of Gotham. And they had the closer end, possibly. They had the costume around and they'd maybe cast or maybe they just got an extra to wear the costume just as a reference to Black Mask. But so interesting that it was only on screen for a couple of seconds. Yeah, definitely. Really good like, spot there, him, Patrick. Yeah, like, will we see him break out of prison and have an episode later on this season? Uh, will there be a moment where there's Black Mask? Or would we only have gotten that if we have the 22-episode season? So really, really cool to, to catch those little that little moment. But definitely check it out, fellow Gothamites, if you have the chance to watch the episode again. Check out 14 minutes in to see that, uh, see that still. Or pop on over to our Facebook group or our Twitter account and you see the screen grab that we got from the episode. Uh, John, as usual, time for our Gotham moment of the week. And I think there's only one contender for this one. Well, there's a few. There are <laughs> okay, a few okay. in this, I think, definitely. Well, I'm going to go for my one. The electrocution of Ed by the owners of JoJo. Um, I think <laughs> there's nothing more Gotham than being electric, being tied up to a chair and out in the street to a car up on up on blocks and being electrocuted by some crazy owners of a pet that, that you might possibly have killed in some crazy uh, mind control moment that's totally gotham for me absolutely i i think a lot of the moments of the week surround uh ed nigma as well mm-hmm. um i think him being reanimated by professor strange where he does the little face spray yep. and then all the pain shoots through him that is a moment of the week as well Excellent. along with the plank of wood to the back of the head <laughs> uh, perfect comedy timing yep. there. really nice and one of the quick one on Ed as well, uh, just to mention, that just made me laugh each of the three times that I watched this episode. I don't know why. It's when he's listening back to the tapes of himself waking up every morning, saying everything and trying to take the crazy notes in the notepad and then just screams out going, this is absolutely useless, as if shouting back to his former self and going, why couldn't you give me more information than I woke up this morning and I'm covered in water or I woke up this morning and I'm covered in dirt? I think that's a very funny scene uh, that Ed's playing again off himself. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the other moments of the week is where Jim is interrogating uh, Oswald and and Penguin here is really kind of saying, come on, Jim, you know, he does riddles, games and maybe the odd killing here and there, but he's being uh, controlled here. He's not a mass murderer. He's a patsy. Mm -hmm. I really, really like that moment from uh, Oswald. Kind of just saying it as it is. But again, there's some really nice lines in this episode. Ed saying, have you called your dog after me? Uh Uh, You know, (laughs) things like some nice little uh, references. I think the type of questions we'd really like to ask ourselves here. So really nice um, (laughs) moments here. I think on to Gotham character of the week, there's certainly the redneck lady with her two sons, Mm -hmm. her crazy sons. Maybe they're not her sons. It could be her lovers or her two husbands. Who knows uh, what's going on? But again, a outlandish uh, character here putting Jojo up uh, anthropomorphizing him absolutely people we don't care about people <laughs> <laughs> if there's been a go- more Gotham line in the last season I have I've never heard it <laughs> fantastic and I think uh, Edward the dog Edward the bulldog yeah. is a good character this week he got quite a bit of uh, face time here both with Oswald going down to his secret vault but mm-hmm. also when Ed asks uh, Oswald, uh, whether he named his dog after him. You know, we, you just see Edward kind of looking up, panting, sort of expectantly at his master. So really nice uh, to see Edward the dog getting uh, some quality time. <laughs> 
Absolutely, yeah. And I think, obviously, Eduardo Durant's first episode in here. We know he's going to be back in future episodes. It's great to see him in here. We don't normally give our Gotham character of the week to someone that has a recurring role in the show. So I think we're going to see a lot more of him. Really excited to see uh, his transformation as we go later on into the show. Very, very interesting to see this character in here, this episode. My favorite moment of live tweeting uh, when this episode was on was as he appeared on screen, just saw a tweet roll, roll by on my on my screen going, wow. Eduardo Durant is kind of hot. <laughs> Love that little moment as, as someone realizes that they've got a new crush in a TV show. <laughs> Always good. John, do you want to tell us how you would rate this episode of Gotham? I would rate this episode as five anthropomorphizing nincompoops out of five. Yeah, this was um, the best so far, I think, in season five for mm. me. Pena Dura. Uh, it was just completely out there. Yeah, I loved Ed searching the city trying to find out why it is he couldn't remember and then it culminating with him and hugo strange with a, this face-off between the two which mm-hmm. ultimately um has hugo strange cracking ed's head like a freshly boiled egg uh, seeing the brains inside realizing then that eduardo and walker are not all that they seem uh, and you see them controlling Edward with this chip and going mm. after Jim Gordon. I really like the the little touches between um, Bruce, Alfred and Harvey, uh, but also with Selena. You, mm. That's really interesting to see how that's going to progress. And then, of course, you have the final crazy, wazy, lemon squeezy thing right at the end <laughs> uh, where we have Jeremiah waking up. Of course, he's not dead. Of course, he put a tunnel right through Gotham up to Wayne Manor. <laughs> and of course, he has paid someone to plastic surgery the absolute hell out of two people to bring back Thomas and Martha Wayne. Mm-hmm. Also, we think. Uh, so, just a roller coaster of a ride just like that corpse on his final journey down to the basement of uh, hugo strange's lab this is a roller coaster uh, and i thought it just all came together really well in this episode so yeah, yeah. five anthropomorphizing nincompoops out of five fantastic oh i have to mention there is a great line from uh Professor Strange that we forgot to mention, where he says to Ed, where he says to Ed, "Oh, when I was fixing your stab wound, I just decided to have a bit of a tinker in your brain, which I think is hilarious because <laughs> yeah. only Professor Strange would think that's acceptable, right? Definitely. <laughs> uh, after that, let's get out to our feedback on this episode. And our first piece of feedback comes from Selena's Witch over on our website. Just left a comment on the last episode on uh, Gotham season five, episode four, uh, over on our website at GothamTVPodcast.com. Uh, she says, "I'm absolutely loving this final season, and I loved this episode. The only thing that I don't like about this show, and it's shown itself throughout all of the seasons, is that death is." absolutely meaningless if you die you can just be brought back within the next episode and it takes away any meaning death should hold well unfortunately i don't think you're gonna like episode five then because uh, we didn't even get Jer- jeremiah gone for more than one episode he was back almost immediately after what looked like a pretty tragic uh, series of, of stabbings tool yeah thank you selena's witch for the feedback i think uh, even as we see in this episode um death doesn't hold too much, even for Martha and Thomas Wayne, who normally have been exempt from this rule that is in the comics, uh, not just um, within this show as well. But certainly, yes, some of those elements sometimes mean uh, less because death means nothing. But uh, (laughs) I also do like the fact that you can also bring back some of these great characters again and again it does help but thank you selena's witch for uh, that uh, feedback really good to hear from you yep thanks so much our next piece of feedback is some voicemail from claire payne crikey penadura was an awesome episode the introduction of shane west was done really well as you got the feel for what kind of friendship or maybe even a rivalry between Eduardo and Jim straight away. I think while watching, you could see the control being taken away from Jim and how the city needs to be rebuilt. My characters of the week is the family who who are electrocuting Ed. Gretel and her sons wanted revenge on Ed for killing their dog. I don't know whether I was meant to laugh as much as I did in that scene. I also thought it was a good episode to focus on Ed and finally find out what is causing his blackouts. Straight away, Ed manages to put doubt in Jim's head if he's actually is the Haven killer by saying he doesn't kill innocent people like people at Haven. I loved the intensity of the scene where Jim had to find the book to finish the chess game, or was Ed bluffing? 
Ed's emotions in this in his need to find answers made me realize he is a character that once he knows what is happening, he can deal with it. The twist was great in how Ed was getting his blackouts. We all knew Hugo Strange was connected. When mentioned that Ed had a chip inside of his brain, I did frown. But the continuous story of why Strange put it there in the first place is, is a great twist. I looked at the perspective of the story from Hugo Strange. Penguin gives him Ed to fix, and in the meantime, he has been given a contract from the female voice now we know is called Walker. Mm. Professor Strange knows Ed because of his time in Arkham and the split personality Ed can go between. So it was clear Ed was the perfect person at the right time to carry out his experiment, and we all know what joy Hugo Strange gets out of his experiments. Selina and Bruce was a good emotional scene. Selina, I think she does care, but she needs the space to be who she is now. Bruce will always watch out for her, even though Selena has broken his heart. Talking to Harvey about people losing the will to do good made me realise just how important the need to do good is to the character of Bruce Wayne. Nice advice from Harvey, who feels the same, but he's right. It is the small things that matter. So good to see a reunion scene between Ed and Oswald. I was so surprised how Penguin was generally upset that Ed had blown up Haven. It's a friendship that runs deep so that penguin chooses ed over, over butch another well-written engaging scene between these two characters looking forward to seeing penguin's new change of scenery many thanks claire Payne. yeah thank you so much claire for uh, your voicemail it's really good to to get your thoughts and mm-hmm. thank you for pointing out that the crazy redneck lady's name is gretel so yeah um, well done, I, yeah. yeah i didn't spot that at all so um yeah gretel and her sons yeah. or are they that's <laughs> no, such good feedback Claire thanks so much for your thoughts about the episode um, yeah there's some really interesting points that you make in there the the removal of the power that Jim has in the city of Gotham yeah that does something that comes across and I love that Oswald uses that against Jim to get his way again you know he says to him oh well, I didn't know that Eduardo was the one in charge I thought you were the one in charge Jim you know a nice little moment from Oswald using every little bit of information to get his own way um, and yeah as you say Ed and Oswald together on screen always always good but that painful moment when the note is passed to Oswald saying that Ed is the one that blew up Haven you can see it go, in his face just going oh not Ed why did you do this at kind of thing you know really really good moment for them and absolutely yeah really excited to see what this change of scenery is going to be for for ed yeah, and Oswald. definitely definitely we there's too many eds now we've got ed nigma we've got edward the dog and we've got eduardo durance now don't we yeah they're all going to merge into one well, edward i think we need to stick to calling riddler possibly durance and maybe edward the dog maybe yeah it's not ed the duck like we used to have as um <laughs> children of the early 90s in the uk um it's ed the dog ed the dog exactly exactly again thanks very much for the voicemail player if you want to send us in any voicemail for our podcast about any of your thoughts on the show you can go over to our website at gothamtvpodcast.com click the send voicemail button and you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts or do what claire did record two separate voicemails for us and we'll stick them together when we put the episode together or finally of course you can send us an email just record an mp3 of your thoughts and send us an email to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com yeah and the final way to get in contact with us is of course over on our facebook group just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash gotham tv podcast and, mm. and with that some episode five feedback over on our facebook group mm-hmm. uh, sam Bacter says there were some interesting twists particularly with Enigma, Strange, and Eduardo. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious who those two people Jeremiah saw at the end were. I wonder if they're being made to look like Thomas and Martha Wayne. That's kind of the impression I came away with. Uh, Thanks, Sam, for that. Definitely thought the same thing. Uh, I really feel as though Thomas and Martha Wayne are back from the grave, Mm -hmm. or at least... Have been given a makeover. Well, yes, somebody's been given a makeover to look like Thomas and Martha <laughs> Wayne. Yes, that's what, that's what we think. Uh, so excited to see what's going to happen with that one. Uh, Trisha Branchcomb just simply says this episode was fantastic. Patrick Lemke says, as I mentioned earlier on, he spotted Black Mask in the episode being escorted to a cell in the scene where Eduardo and the GCPD gather up all the remaining sectors. I guess they originally had plans for him this season if it had gotten 22 episodes. And he's wondering if it would have been Roman Sionis, the son of Richard Sionis. 
we did see Richard Sarnas getting killed by Jerome, I think it was, uh, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, back in season two, I think, when Jerome broke out of Arkham Asylum. So, yes, that is true. Yeah, so we'd never actually seen Roman Sarnas on screen, uh, but it'd be interesting to see. And we know death is never permanent in this show. So No, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, the reanimated corpse of Richard Sarnas back from the dead, no mm-hmm. doubt. Or is he? <laughs> uh, yes, Richard Blaze says, literally took the normal madness of Gotham and then cranked it up to 11. Seriously, I don't know where to start to try and dissect that. It was just superb. <laughs> yeah, They really did crank it up to 11. Yep. Um, I, I'm loving it. I'm really loving how they um, just amplify this show mm-hmm. and make it really just mental yeah. really you know <laughs> and crazy uh, as you say they did the crank up to 11 mm-hmm. for sure thanks richard for the feedback and our final bit of feedback comes uh, comes through to facebook as well from claire Payne. Uh, claire asks did anyone else hear flapping of wing sound when bruce did his fast disappearing act in the scene with harvey certainly did claire we must have that special ability to hear flapping wings or at least the sonic clicks of bats <laughs> unfortunately i don't i didn't hear it unfortunately <laughs> so i obviously don't have that ability but yeah really interesting i'm definitely gonna have to put my ear closer to the screen next time maybe uh, and john can tell me exactly where uh, where that flapping is thanks so much for all of the feedback this week really good to hear from you guys uh, want to hear from you as the rest of the season progresses make sure you get in contact with us and just tell us how you're feeling about the show and how you're feeling about this final season uh, you can of course get us over on twitter at gotham tv podcast we usually live tweet the episodes uh, as they're coming out if we're able to uh, not always possible unfortunately and uh, now we are on break uh, for after this episode up until the 14th of february the next episode airs uh, on on fox on the 14th of february uh, called 13 stitches and unfortunately gotham tv podcast is going on holiday for a few days around that time so but the episode will be a bit later out uh, and we won't unfortunately be able to watch it live uh, as it comes out so um we'll be back i think on the 19th uh, so we'll record our thoughts and we'll get our podcast out as soon after that as we possibly can and then we're cracking through to the end of the season after that uh, thanks so much for joining us fellow gothamites we'll talk to you again next time yeah as always fellow gothamites thank you so much for listening it's really good to have these discussions with you i'm off to go and do a kind of massive electrifying contraption uh just by my shed uh, but after <laughs> that once i've electrocuted myself probably a few times maybe even set myself on fire who knows uh, oh, we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to uh, we'll be back to speak with you again soon uh ta-ta for now bye bye I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lord Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast.